Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. Say divine power. Oh, no, no, that doesn't sound very divine. Divine power. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you that your word is a manual. It's an instruction guide. It helps us live our lives the way that you have called us to, God. And so we pray that this word, that it would be so impressed upon our hearts, God, that we would learn that you have the victory, God, but that each and every day we fight a battle and that we have you on our side, that you are with us, that you haven't left us, God. And so we thank you this morning. We thank you for what you're going to do. And we thank you even now for 4th of July, for the fireworks and the food and the family and the friends and the great time that we're going to have. But in this moment, we want to honor you. We want to lean in and want to give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, in my house, um, I grew up with two older brothers. I'm the youngest of three. And my mom was basically raising this family of crazies is what she was doing, really. Um, But in my house, there was something always exciting happening. You see, there was always something, and it always had to do with something with sports. Because I have brothers and because my mom has always loved um, sports, we were always gathered around the house watching some type of sport, whether it was football, whether it was basketball or baseball. And sometimes even my, my brother's friends would come over and we'd start to watch uh, even wrestling. But the greatest of sports, in my opinion, the greatest of sports is that of boxing. And so you're probably like, what, how, wait, well, how, that does not correlate. Uh, you are a girl. What do you mean you like boxing? I absolutely love boxing. You know, in my house, it was kind of like this tradition. We'd all get together. I remember it till this day. We still do it every once in a while. And the family would get together, and my mom would invite all of our friends over. Everyone would come over. I was the youngest, but I was allowed to stay up and watch all of the fights, even till the last one that started like at 12 o'clock and midnight. But... She would allow us all to come over. She'd order wings and pizza, and she'd have popcorn, and we'd have ice cream, and we'd have all these things gathered around the fact that we were going to watch boxing. Actually, boxing kind of helped me defend myself from my brothers or anybody who tried to pick on me. So I think that it's a good thing. Um, But hey, watching these sports and getting together as a family was amazing. We would sit down and each of us would pick who our favorite boxer was. Some of us were Tyson fans. Some of us were Holyfield fans all the way back then. Some of us liked, uh, nobody likes Mayweather. We don't like Mayweather at home. But um, (laughs) that's right. But, But we would gather together and we would root for our favorite boxer. You know, I can, one of my favorite movies and one of my favorite scenes is Rocky. You know, I can almost hear Eye of the Tiger sound every time. It's like, you know that song is going to start playing and you get hyped. You're like, yeah, I'm going to go into the battle. And so I was thinking about how even Rocky, 
Every time that they would play that song, I or the Tiger, every time he would go into a fight, they would show him preparing for battle. They would show him carrying logs of wood as he was running through the snow. They would show him running and jogging on a beach, depending where he was and in what movie. They would show him as he would um, do push-ups with one hand behind his back. That was like his signature move. And then, of course, who could forget running up the steps of Philadelphia? I mean, you cannot but remember who Rocky was and his preparation for every single fight. The reality is, is that one of the things I love about boxing is that actually in boxing, you know who your opponent is. You know who your enemy is. You will always know who he is. Actually, boxers have months, even weeks to prepare for their fight. They dissect and they analyze uh, their boxer. They look at film and they watch how they train. Actually, they know the potential of the person that they're going up against. Isn't that amazing that they know who they're fighting against? But you know what? As Christians, we also have an opponent. We also have an enemy. And the reality is that we cannot see our enemy. The reality is that we cannot see the devil who we fight against. But let me just encourage you and remind you that we do have a God who has already won the victory, who has already won the battle, who's in control of our every step and our every fight. You know, it is in crazy that the enemy has this plan. You know, his plan is to attack us on a constant basis. You know, I was thinking about this earlier when I was going through this study and reading all of this. You see, the fight that we're in is not like boxing. It's not for entertainment purposes, and it's not to make anybody rich. Actually, it's a constant attack that comes from the enemy. You know, an alarm system is not going to keep the enemy from coming into your home. He's not going to knock on the door and wait and try to wait for you to allow, allow him in. No, actually, he's going to barge right in if we allow him to. And so it's up to us to set up and to know the weapons that God has given us to be able to fight that battle. You know, he doesn't care what you look like. He doesn't care if you are black, white, brown, orange, gray, skinny, maybe not so skinny, maybe a little bit more curves. He does not care. If you have a mind, he is coming after you. You are his target. And it's time that us as Christians realize that actually we are in a fight and that it's time for us to be aggressive in this fight and in this battle. We cannot take lightly what the enemy wants to do. Actually, his number one goal is to kill, steal, and destroy. And so because we are his target, that is what he wants to do with each and every one of us. He wants to kill, he wants to steal, and he wants to destroy our lives. And so because we are his creation, we are God's creation, he has already put the bullseye on our backs. And so it's time for us to remember and to know that God is for us and that God is not against us. You know, this verse is going to, we're going to study this verse, we're going to look at it, and we're going to see how it is possible for us to be able to fight the battle of our minds, which is what we're studying today. You know, this series is, is about the fight that we encounter, spiritual fight that we cannot see. And so throughout the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about the different types of fight, the fight for your families and your marriages and your children. We're going to be talking about the fight for our finances, which is a daily one. We're going to be talking about the unseen fights that we cannot see, that we can't war against. And so I want to encourage you to not miss a week. If you miss a week, Make sure that you get on that podcast and get on, that, on YouTube to watch it. 
But you know what? More and more, it is evident that the fight is happening all around us. Actually, it's a 24-7 fight that is unrelenting. His hope is that we will live lives that are discouraged, lives that are imprisoned by negative thoughts, maybe by depression or anxiety. We get so comfortable in the natural. We get so comfortable in the day-to-day. We get so comfortable in taking our children to school. We get so comfortable in going to work and getting up in the morning and making dinner that we forget about the supernatural. We forget about the war that is happening right now in this moment. And so it's time for us as Christians to take responsibility and to begin to fight the battle that is ahead of us, the fight fight that is happening right now. You know, he has already overcome darkness. He has already overcome sin. But that doesn't mean that there isn't a fight that is happening right now. You know, I love so much that the Apostle Paul is talking about fighting from a place of strength. You know, when you look at, um, you know, Little League or you look at a football or any type of sport, anytime that there's a team that is strong, how, do, how, do the, how does that team walk out? They walk out with their shoulders back, their head held high, because they know that they are the winning team. It's time for us to now stand up, to take our position, our right position, to take our shoulders back, our head held high, and say, hey, we are here to fight the battle, not out of fear, but out of strength, because God has called us children of God. You know, no one more than Paul knew what was happening. No one more than Paul knew that there was a fight that was going on around him. Actually, this letter that he is writing to the Corinthian church, a church which he planted, was basically the church where he experienced the most opposition. Let me tell you, if you are a Christian and if you love Jesus, you will experience opposition. Anytime that you are trying to advance the kingdom of God, opposition will try to come in to steal your joy, to steal what what God has rightly given to you. And so Paul is writing this letter to the church of Corinthians. And basically he's writing it because there's false prophets and false teachers that are going around and they're trying to discredit who Paul is. And they're basically telling him, hey, no, you are a liar. He is a liar. You can't listen to him. But because the Corinthian church was such a young church, it was a church that was still kind of learning their ways. They were so easily influenced. Can I tell you something, church? We need to be a church that stands our our foot firm on the ground, that we are not easily influenced by what the world says we are, but by what God says we are. We need to stand firm. And so that's what Paul is doing in this letter. He's encouraging the Corinthians, and he's reminding them that there is a battle, that there is an opposition that is happening all around us. And in verse 3, it says, they're going to put it up on the screens for you. It says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have strong power to to demolish strongholds. You know, Paul is setting the scene right now. He's basically telling us that there's a real fight and it begins in our mind. Many of the things that we encounter is not necessarily things that we want to do, but the things that begin in our mind. We can't use earthly weapons to attack the things that are happening in our mind, in our brain. But we tend to try to. We try to use the things that are physical to attack the things that are spiritual, and that will never work. Strongholds, what is that? What is a stronghold? Actually, strongholds was a military term that was used back in ancient times. And so what a stronghold was was that when there was going to be a war or there was going to be a battle, armies would get together and they would plan and they would strategize. And they would get together and they would say, how are we going to defeat our enemy? 
And so what they would do is that they would gather together, they would strategize, they would, just like Rocky does in his movies, they would get together and they would look at film. They didn't have film back then, but they would get together and strategize. And so what they decided was that if they had a strong fortress, if they had something that was maybe keeping them safe, maybe something even high up, like on a cliff or a mountain, that they would be harder to get to, right or not right. So what was happening is that they were setting themselves on top of this stronghold to be able to to defeat their enemy when they would come up to attack. It's much easier to attack somebody coming down than somebody coming up because you're having to climb with one hand and fight with the other. Well, they were building up strongholds that that were basically keeping them safe and so therefore they could win the battle. But why is Paul talking about military terms when he's talking about the spiritual fight that we face? How does that make sense? Well, because Paul is talking about, in another verse, the verse that continues, it says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So he's talking war terms in a spiritual fight. But what he's saying is that everything that sets that pretension, that word pretension is everything that goes against who God is. Everything that goes against his nature, everything that goes against who his character is. And so an example of that pretension could be that sometimes we have thoughts in our mind like, actually, you're not good enough, and God will never really love you. That's a pretension. That's something that goes against the nature of God because God says that we are his chosen children, that he loves us, that he cares for us. And so those are the arguments that we begin to build in our mind. You see, there, it's not that one thought is bad. But it's the patterns of thinking. It's when we, we begin not just to think one thing, but we think another and another and another. And so it happens so much often sometimes with our families, right? Your child is going away to camp. You're kind of stressed out. You're like, what if happens? You start to build this story in your head. Te haces una película of everything that is going to happen. He's going to fall. He's going to break his ankle. Who's going to be there? Is there a nurse? Who's going to take care of him? And so what happens is that That one's kind of a funny example. But what happens when fear is the one that comes in to try to steal our joy? And so not just only does it come in one time, but then it comes in over and over and over again. Basically, what Paul is saying is that we have created a stronghold of negative thinking. We have elevated our negative thoughts and our wrong ideas about God to such a high place that it is so difficult for him to reach us. Obviously, no, nothing is too far for God to reach. But that's why we have Christians that experience the same issues over and over and over again. Why? Because we have set such negative thinking about God to a place where when his word comes, it's so difficult to reach. And if we're just reading his word and not really applying his word, then it's not real in our lives. You know, We struggle with the same thing over and over years. We combat the same thing over and over again. We resort to worldly methods like drinking and alcohol. We resort to depression and painkillers to try to solve the issues that we think are happening externally but actually begin in the mind. We're trying to feed the symptoms of something that has a root in our mind. So how do we fight this battle? How do we take it under control? How do we decide that we're going to fight the enemy and that we're going to fight him and that we're going to win? Well, I want to share two points with you. And so if you're taking notes, this is the moment to jot these down. They're going to put them on the screens for you. And the first point is agree and agree again. 
You know, the world is filled with information. Information is good. You have the access of Google at your fingertips every second. If you need to know what's happening in the world, you can Google it. If you need to know what the square ratio of I don't know what is, you can find it on Google. If you need to find out what happened in the latest soap opera that you missed or in the game that you missed because you were somewhere else, you can find it on Google. Actually, information is at our fingertips like never before. But that doesn't mean that all information is useful and all information is beneficial. You know, I think that sometimes our generation has decided that we want to have such an open mind to things, open mind to everything. But what we don't realize is that our mind is falling out of our head because we have so much information that's useful that it's not glorifying God in the process. My youth pastor growing up used to say, garbage in, garbage out. He would say, whatever has control of your mind has control of you. So what has control of you? What is that thing that plagues your mind over and over and over again? What is that thing that is trying to get you from thinking to doing? Because if we can start thinking it, then we will start doing it. And so God has given us weapons. He's given us things that we need to use. And so the first one I said is agree and agree again. Well, why would I say that? Well, in Amos chapter 3, verse 3, it says, Do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? You know, so many of the times we, we don't really agree with God. We know about God. We have all this information about God. We come to church on Sunday and we listen to teachings over and over again, week in and week out. We go home and sometimes we read books. We read commentaries or we read the Bible. We listen to worship music and we do all of these things and we have all of this information, but we haven't yet applied it or agreed with it. You know, when, when Hera and I got married, we agreed to marry each other. We agreed to be faithful to each other. We agreed to walk hand in hand with each other. The problem is, is that we both have that understanding. But what happens when you don't agree with the one that you're walking with in your daily walk as a Christian? The thing is, is that we need to begin to agree with God, with what God says about you and what God says about your situation. The moment that we stop agreeing with God, God keeps walking, but we've kind of fallen behind because we no longer agree with what he's saying about us. God says things like Jeremiah 29, 11, which is my life's verse. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. The problem is, is that when the circumstance comes our way, when the negative thinking comes our way, when there's a disease in our family, when there's concerns in our, in our lifestyles, when there's fear that comes in, we think God is trying to harm us. And that's a pretension. That's something that goes against God. Well, God is saying, hey, I'm not trying to harm you. Hey, I'm trying to give you a hope and a future. And if for two seconds you take your eyes off the situation and you would focus on me, if you would agree with me, if you would walk with me every day and you would know that I am with you, that I have a plan and a purpose, then you wouldn't be focusing on the harm or the situation that you're facing. God says in Romans 8.28, and we know that all things God works the good of those who he loves and he has called according to his purposes. God is working out all things. The problem is, is when we don't agree. And so that is the issue that us as Christians, we have decided to know the knowledge of God. We know the word. We've actually even memorized it at times, but we don't agree with what God says about us. Because it's so much easier to encourage somebody else than encourage ourselves. But this is the living word of God, and it's not just for the person next to you. It's actually for you. 
And God is saying, use this word. Go with it. Use it to battle the thoughts that the enemy wants to plague. Hey, every time the enemy says, hey, you can't do it, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Every time the enemy wants to say that actually you are not worthy or that you're not going to win this battle, you say greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And so you use the word of God to combat the enemy and the things that are happening in your mind. Isaiah is filled with promises of God. Just some of the songs that we sing, if you sing them, you know the lyrics. It says that if we walk through the fire, we will not be burned. Well, that's a verse in Isaiah. It's a promise that God has given us. And so when we begin to agree with God, when we begin to use scripture as a way to combat the thoughts in our mind, then we will start to see freedom. We will start to see those strongholds begin to disseminate and fall and new strongholds, which are the promises of Jesus in our lives. You know, Jesus was tempted in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. And the the enemy, the devil, Satan, tried to come in and try to confuse him. He said, why don't you turn that rock into bread after 40 days of fasting? Maybe I'm not as holy. Maybe I would have turned the rock into bread (laughs) with some mantequilla (laughs) to make it a toast. But God was using the word of God. Even the enemy knows the word. And the enemy will try to use the word to manipulate, manipulate what you think about God. But if we know the word, if the word is in us, if we agree with it, then we can use it to combat the enemy and the lies that he plagues us with. The second thing I want to leave you with is interrogate your thinking. Interrogate your thinking. Verse 5 says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You know, when Hannah and I first got married, um, we moved from Weston, Florida, which is way, way far away, to downtown Miami. And so our family were really, really separated. So a lot of times we didn't have anything to do. And so what we decided to do was that we were going to a Netflix binge. And so we started this series called 24. Anybody watch 24. It was this incredible series that was happening um, at the early of 2010, and it was the, I mean, if you did not watch it, you need to go back and watch it. It is that good. But basically, there was this agent called Jack Bauer, and Jack Bauer was in, in charge of this counter-terrorist uh, agency that would fight terrorism. And so what he would do was that every time they would be able to prevent or capture a terrorist, they would bring him in and they would interrogate him. They would bring him into the interrogating room. And they would begin to ask questions like, who are you? Who do you work for? What is your mission? Are there more plans of terrorism? Where is, ev- where is everybody else hiding? You know, I think that We need to do that ourselves. We need to take a look at our mind and not trust everything that we think, but we need to begin to interrogate our mind and ask these questions. We need to take our mind up to, we need to take those thoughts captive. Captive means to bring under submission. It means to grab something and bring it under submission. We need to begin to ask those thoughts. Where did you come from? What are you trying to do? Are you trying to discourage me from my relationship with God? Are you trying to create doubt in my mind so that I, be, I stop believing who God says he is? We need to begin to ask it, why are you here and what is your plan? And once we do that, then we know our opponent. Then we can know our enemy just like the boxers do when they're fighting. 
The problem is, is that we're so busy living our day-to-day lives that we forget that there's an enemy. And so we don't realize that there's an opponent and he has a name and his name is Satan and his name is devil, Lucifer, whatever you want to call him. But when we start to identify those thoughts, when we start to interrogate them, when we start to bring them under captivity, they no longer have a hold of us, but we have a hold of them. And it's time for us Christians to stop being so complacent. You know, growing up in church, one of the things I remember was that my youth pastors would always tell me is, hey, you are in a fight. And the fight is not an easy one. So don't pretend that it is one. And I think that sometimes we do that just because it's easier. It's easier to pretend that there isn't really a battle for our souls. There isn't really a battle for our families or our marriages or our children. But hey, if we would get this idea, if we would get this thought that there is actual battle, actual spiritual warfare that is happening all around us, all the time, 24-7, it is unrelenting. Now we have one leg up on the enemy. Now we, be, we can begin to fight the real fight. Once we have the real weapons in our hands, then we can use them. Because what's the point of having a weapon if you don't know how to use it? I know nothing about guns, so if you place a gun in my hand, I wouldn't know what to do. Sure, I can point and I can shoot, but I'm not sure if it's loaded. I'm not sure how to set the trigger or do all these things. The same thing goes with the Word of God. We could know the Word. We could read books. But if we don't know how to use it when the time comes, then what is it good for? You know, I look around and I see so many people struggling with the exact same thing. The exact same thing. The person next to you could actually be going through the exact thing that you are going through. You just don't know it. And what happens is that so many times we put on this front, right? We have it all together when we come to church. We put on this mask of, I've got this. Nothing is really happening in my family. How do I know? Well, because for years I put on a mask of perfectionism. And I thought that if I could show myself different at church, people wouldn't know what was really happening. People wouldn't really know what was going on in my mind or in my heart. But the reality of of this, of church, of what it really is, is that together we are fighting the same enemy. And the moment that we would get the realization that together, hand in hand, we can fight together, we can beat the enemy, then our thinking will begin to change. Which is why I believe so much in connect groups. I believe in the power of community. See, God doesn't, didn't live alone. Actually, there's three of them. God, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. They live in community. But even when Jesus was here on earth, he lived in community. He had his 12 disciples who walked with him day in and day out. And so when you're struggling, when you're fighting this battle, instead of doing it alone, instead of letting the enemy try to bring you down, to discourage you, to place confusion in your mind, you tell your friend, And you say, hey, I'm actually in this fight. I need you to pray with me. 
I need you to send me verses that are going to encourage me and they're going to uplift me because alone I can't do it. We think that we're not going to have those days where we're, we don't have it all together. And actually we have them more sometimes than we'd like. But it's time for us to know the word, to agree with what God says, and to in interrogate our thinking. Don't let the enemy play us for a fool. Don't let him use us as mind games to be able to manipulate what he would like us to do. Because the minute he grabs a hold of your mind, he will try and grab a hold of you. And then every promise, every gift, every spiritual thing that God has placed and filled your life with will go down the drain. You know, when I was in college, you have to take public speaking. And I thought, well, I grew up in church, and I taught kids ministry, and um, I've done drama and dance, and I've danced in, in front of crowds of people before. But every time I'd go to that public speaking class, I'd walk out. I'd leave early. I knew all the information. I knew everything that the book said about public speaking. The problem was that I could never deliver the message. And so every time there was a class and we needed to present an argument, I would not go. And so I failed the class one time. Because I just could not get myself to go there, to speak, to just talk about something like pollution. So I decided to take it a second time. And so I would go in there and I had my notebooks and I had everything organized, ready to go. I knew what the mission was. I needed to pass this class. And so I'd go in there and I'd sit in and I'd take my notes and I'd write out my arguments and I'd be ready, ready for the presentation. And then the presentation day would come and I wouldn't go because I just couldn't bring myself to speak in front of public. And so for what years the enemy tried to use for bad, for what years the enemy tried to say that I wasn't good enough, that I wasn't equipped enough, that I wasn't worthy enough, that I'd made too many mistakes, that I wasn't capable. God was saying, I'm going to take that same thing and I'm going to use it for good. I'm going to use it to build the church of Jesus Christ and to not be afraid of what God wants to do. And so my thinking had to change. I needed to begin to agree with God. I needed to begin to say, okay, God, you have purpose in my life. I'm going to take a step of faith. And every time that the enemy would try to bring in fear, God would say, do not be afraid. And so every time I would say, I'm not going to give in to the fear, because let's be honest, we can feel fear. We can feel that feeling of feeling afraid. But what he was saying when he says, do not fear, do not be afraid, what he's not saying is don't feel it. What he's saying is don't let it grab a hold of you. And so the moment that we take that next step of faith, we see God open more doors and God use us in greater platform and greater um, exponents for, our, for his glory. And so if you would not lean into fear this morning, if you would not lean into the thinking that has grabbed a hold of your mind, but you would begin to break the strongholds, God will use you in a bigger and more powerful way. Because what the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good. You know, I think it's crazy that even God gives us a picture of him struggling. You know, Jesus, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, getting ready to go on the cross, he went before the Father in prayer and he said, Abba, Father. He said, Daddy. Which makes it sound that it was so intimate. I'm sure that Jesus was so afraid. 
about going to the cross. I'm sure that he wasn't looking forward to the lashing and the spitting and the, and the nails being carved through his hands. And he went before the father and he said, Father, he said, Abba, he said, Daddy, will you take this cup from me? And so many a times we have this feeling of fear. But he understood what was on the other side of that cross. And if we would for a moment take our minds captive and begin to trust God in what's on the other side, then we will begin to see the miracles that God has for him. Then we will begin to see the freedom that he has placed in front of us. And I don't know what your struggle may be this morning. I don't know what may be that thing that has captivated your mind, that thing that has become a stronghold, that it's hiding so tightly that it's hard to reach. But I pray that in the name of Jesus that you would agree with what God says about you and that you would begin to use his word as a weapon to fight the enemy. Or maybe you're in this place and you're just saying, you know what, I don't even know God. Who is Jesus and what is it that you're talking about? I understand the mind part because I struggle with that daily. But what do you mean about the mind? What do you mean about this Jesus and him having control? Well, this Jesus, that same Jesus that I was talking about a second, the one that gave his life for you on the cross, he gave everything up just so that he could love us, that he could care for us, that he could place purpose in our hearts. And so this morning, as we're here in church, maybe you haven't encountered that love. Maybe you haven't encountered the Jesus that can break the chains of our lives. But I want to encourage you in this moment that you have the opportunity to. So if you will, would you bow your heads and pray with me? And for privacy, we just want to, everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes. This isn't a ritual. This isn't about anything that, anything that we're going to do, but just about privacy and concentration. And so maybe you find yourself in this auditorium, not even sure how you got here. But you know that God loves you and you know that he cares about you. And actually for the first time, you have started to feel what love actually can look like. And you're saying, I need that love. I need that savior. I need that Jesus in my heart. If that's you, I want to give you the opportunity to receive him. If you will, on the count of three, would you raise your hands? One, two, three. Amazing, amazing. God bless you. 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 And so we're going to do is we're going to do something real simple. All we're going to do is pray. And prayer is just talking to God. So would you bow your heads and repeat with me? And we're going to ask the whole church to pray with us. And we're going to say, Dear Jesus, I open my heart. I invite you inside to be my Savior, to be my God. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. From this day forward, I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you give it up for the people that made a decision? Amazing. We hope today's message has encouraged you. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel or visit us at calvaryconnect.com for more information. Till next time.